be in Psalm 19 this morning, but I want to start by saying, when you first come in this building, if you come in from the, the front entryway, if you look over, what is the first sign, what's the first message that you're going to see as you walk in the front door? Jesus is life. So you might have just walked past it a hundred times and not caught it, but it is right on the front. And it's our core message at New Song Church. Whatever else that we are believing that Jesus is life. First uh, John 5.11 is where we get this from. And it says that this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I'm going to talk about, to the quality of this life that Jesus makes uh, a reality to, to us, that this life is, is not like the, the life that the world gives. And we're not even really talking about our physical uh, existence, but we're really talking about the thing that matters more, the thing that matters most to God is our souls, our, our inner lives, our spiritual beings. And it says, John 10.10, uh, 10, it says this, that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, and my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. In some of your translations, you might have life to the full or the abundant life, but it is a wonderful, exciting, adventurous, epic life that simply you don't get anywhere else on the planet than through Jesus. We were created to burn brightly for Jesus, but we know that there's some things that dim, can dim our, 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 our light, our, our, our burning. Sometimes uh, the reality is that even though we've been given this awesome, wonderful life through Jesus Christ, that that sometimes in our day-to-day -day walk, we experience something a little bit less than glorious, overcoming, exciting, wonderful, all of those things. And so why does this happen? Why would even some of the best believers, and we have plenty of, of, of wonderful people here and, and solid Christians, but I want to tell you, it's, 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 it's part of life because these types of things would happen, and when these types of things happen, we need revival. We can make unwise choices. We can have unconfessed guilt. We can have unprocessed grief, unrelenting crisis, unfulfilled hopes, and unaddressed, unaddressed grudges. And the results of these things that they, they just kind of dig it ding us and they and they just kind of slowly but surely it's like a slow leak in it and they and the, the life of Christ in us can can just seem like it's not all that we're not all that able to lay our hands on it and live from that place 24 7 uh, 365 days out of the year and this results when when these things kind of wane in our in our lives we end up serving without uh, passion. We end up serving God without passion. We can end up being caught up in, in imprisoned by sin. 
And instead of engaging in community and coming to be able to encourage others and be encouraged ourselves, we find ourselves in isolation. And we just find ourselves not walking in the full, abundant life that Jesus gave us when he, gave, when he died on the cross and was resurrected. And it's not even though that we've been given true life and we gain that once and then we kind of <clears throat> lose momentum and then we have to get it back one more time. I want to tell you that revival is a lifestyle of every single believer. It needs to be the lifestyle of every believer. I mean, sometimes we look at King David, for instance, and we would put him, I would put him in the classification of super Christian, right? He was a man after God's own heart. He wrote so many fantastic psalms. He fought so many and won epic battles. And even in this, David wrote uh, this in Psalm 85, 6. He says this, won't you revive us again? Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice with you? This is our, our desire. Won't you revive us again? And it, it's, it, it's found in other Psalms. It's also found in Isaiah and other places. This call that every believer should be having to be revived. Whenever they find themselves not fully realizing the life of Christ in their day-to-day walks. My pastor, uh, Rick, he was big on Ezekiel 37, and some of you know it's this epic scene where a, a valley is full of, of dead things, of, a valley is full of, of dry bones, and, and God begins to speak to Ezekiel and says, hey, I, I see this thing differently. Can you agree with the things that, that I see uh, in there? I see that these things can come Alive, And, of course, we see probably the greatest revival that's recorded in all of Scripture, Ezekiel 37, when this massive army starts, you know, throwing on tendons and and muscles and and rises up and begins, and they're alive again. And so it was one of Rick's core verses in in his life. But he also told me this. He said, hey, you know what, that that we have can have the same mission, that, that you and I, that we can look out at things that need to be revived, dead things, and we have the ability to, to be used by God to help bring them back to life. Do you guys believe that? That is you and, and that is me. But then he said something that's, that's stuck with me ever, ever since. And he said, well, here's, here's the, 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 uh, the key right here is that if you're going to revive and deal with the dry bones out there, you first need to deal with the dry bones in here. If you're going to be used to bring things, only revived things can revive other things, right? Corpses, corpses can't, but... But believers, we, we, we can, and this is the great mission at, at, at New Song Churches. We are about changing lives that change the world and bringing things to life. And if this is our core mission, it, it can only happen as we are a people that are constantly walking out a, a revival, constantly being restored. I want to define revival for us because sometimes we might think, well, it has to happen in a tent or it has to be an outreach. It has to be an outreach situation. But let's look at the definition for revival. An improvement in the condition or strength of something. An instance of something becoming popular, active, 
or important, we'll say powerful, again. And it means recovery, rallying, resurgence, and restoration. And our prayer this morning as we go through Psalm 19 and look at God's word, that there will be a rallying among us in the church family this morning, the New Song family this morning, that there'll be a restoration, that we'll be looking at uh, uh, kind of if, if for some of us that are, I think Allie put it great, like, hey, if you just think that the jar is, is empty, I guarantee by the time you go out of here, you're going to look at that jar just a little bit differently. Amen. So how does revival work? And really, if we look at our bodies, we can see that a lot of times our bodies need reviving. Don't be looking at me like that. I know there's, and, and we, we revive our bodies through rest, exercise, and, and diets. And, and it, it's important, too, that on, on these diets, there's certain things that if you want to get rid of toxins, they say, hey, you can drink this juice combination, or you can eat this diet. You need to eat raw foods. And one of the things that they say is that you shouldn't eat any sugar, which is exactly why, and, and you can't have coffee. So that's exactly why I'm not doing those two diets right there. Now, you may think that I'm weak and I can't make it 30 days. I, I just probably can't. Like I've, I've tried it. I've done it before. But here's the, here's the point is that one of the things that they tell you is you can't have sugar. And the reason you can't have Sugar is because it's really one of these false things. You know, sugar really is a lie. You take sugar and you feel great for 20 minutes. For 20 minutes, you feel rested. You feel like you have energy. You feel like you've got strength. You've got power. You've been revived again. But it is just a lie. It lasts 20 minutes at the most. And then what happens? Man, you hit the ground, and all you can think about is getting more sugar. But it is just a lie. And each time you take it, the higher you go, the you know what goes up has got to come down, and, and we just end up being spent on it because we didn't have the right diet. So there's a lot of diets and supplements out there to help us revive our bodies. But we're going to look at being revived spiritually and, and how that happens, the type of diet that we need so that we experience uh, rest and, and restoration. Matthew 4, Jesus answered, uh, Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, he said this, he says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That this is our diet. If we want to be revived continually, this is what we need to, to chew on and to meditate on, and that is, is God's word. Now, fortunately for us, God has spoken a lot of things, and a lot of things were written down. I think that's pretty awesome. And we have them right there. But, you know, God is still speaking today. Today he still has words that can encourage us and revive us. That's the important thing about coming together as brothers and sisters so that we can pray for each other and pray for ourselves and strengthen ourselves when we're in our prayer closets. But then when we come together, it's for the, the, the purpose of edifying each other and strengthening each other. And that just comes through a word of prophecy or a, a message of knowledge, something like that. So that's what I'm talking about. But I really want to focus today on Psalm 19, and we're talking about God's written word, where God spoke and people authored and wrote these things and scribed them down. Psalm 19 is going to be great. It's going to show us some things and, and, I, and about how we experience uh, revival. 
Psalm 19, 7 and 8 says, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. Amen? They are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commands of the Lord are right, bringing to joy, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Now basically, and we find it often in Psalms, is that there could be two lines or two verses that are saying the exact same thing, but they're just saying them from two different viewpoints. They're, they're kind of paraphrasing each other to speak of the same exact truth. So both of these things are saying that God's word is right. It is pure. It is the eternal truth. And because it is pure and it's not filled with sugar and junk food and all these other things that we fucking bugs, we, we can find bugs in food, right? Like, of course, maybe in some countries that's like bonus, right? That's what you, you pay for. But typically you don't want to find it in a bag of salad. You know what I mean? So, uh, but, but these things, so, but this is the reason that, that we are revived by the words, uh, by the word of God is because it is pure, it is true. It stands alone for all eternity. This is the best written book that there ever was. It is the truest, it is the most uh, powerful thing that has ever been put into print is this Bible. And it brings joy to our heart. Every time we get into this thing, we find ourselves, we should find ourselves, you know, in, in joy pour, poured out on us. It is not just, I think sometimes the Bible gets a bad rap. I think it's looked at as kind of a burden, this thing on the checklist. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's another heavy load. But I want to tell you that this is the blessing of God. This is the grace of God that he would choose to reveal one, self, one, one thing about his self to uh, just mere humankind like us. That is God's grace. It is tremendous. So we get revived by God's word because it's so perfect and true, but that also means that the things that aren't perfect and true, like all the BS that floats around the planet, that those things actually suck the very life out of us. Maybe quickly, maybe slowly, but we used to play a game as, as kids. Uh, some of you, if you grew up uh, rurally, like you'll kind of know what this was, but you know, you'd find a, a pond or you'd find... Uh, someplace that had mud, and all the guys, young kids, we would get into teams, and we would line up, and we'd have these two lines, and then we would <laughs> sit down there and run the gauntlet and try to run past all these guys who are these kids, right? We're all like seven, eight, nine years old, and we're just cranking and throwing mud balls and dirt clods as hard as we can at, at the, whoever kid got lucky. We all took turns. Uh, moms, you might be thinking, like, that sounds kind of dangerous. And you know what? Yes, there was a couple of trips to the emergency room. Uh, following the game, one time, little, uh, I can't remember his name, but picked up a, a flattened soda can. Whew. Anyway, I didn't receive it. But, you know, we thought it was pretty funny until, you know, he's laying on the ground and blood's pouring out of his head. So, but this is the way it is, right? We, we're kind of running the gauntlet, and the world is throwing so many half-truths at us. They are, they are trying to sell us these worldviews. There's things that are um, attitudes that are trying to put themselves up as, as true and worthy of us to give our lives to and to live by, and it's all a lie. And we take on this thing, just like running that gauntlet. We would come out, and you would just have mud kind of caked on you, and it's almost like it's, it's spiritual off-roading. 
so to speak. You just, have you guys seen, I, was, I never had a car that could do, uh, never do that. But I had friends that did in high school. They'd go through, go mud bogging. Who's ever done mud bogging here? Right? So you go through, you get your your car covered with mud, and the first thing you do is drive home and wash it off, right? No. You take it to school. You drive around for as many days as you could possibly see, so everybody sees that you were mudding around. But the problem is, if you get enough mud on it, it really kind of slows the car down, or, or it might block your vision that you have because things are so mucked up. It might actually get into the exhaust and all of a sudden the thing is just gasping for air that it needs to be able to turn this combustion engine. But that's what happens. It robs our joy and it it just sucks the life right out of us. But it's the truth of God that rinses us off. Husbands, your main ministry is to rinse off your wife from all the junk that she takes on during the day to wash your wife with the water of the word, with the promises and the truths because she just got bombarded. And I would say the same thing is true for, for um, wives towards your husband. We, we have this ministry of, of helping wash them clean, and it's, we can see again, you know, once the car, this mutter car goes through, it, it can, you know, it gets the... the the, the mud off of the windshield, it cleans out things. And all of a sudden, it can run at regular speed. You can see around it. You're not at risk running in, into things. And you can get from point A to point B just a lot faster that way. So it's this rinsing off, and God's word revives us, and it brings us joy, and it, it brings us hope once again. The other thing that we can see in these verses is that, is that God's word will bring us uh, wisdom and insight, and sometimes it feels like we're adrift on sea. Maybe the, the engine is like powered off, and you're just out there floating. You're going through all of the rations of food and drink, and you're just out there, no more sunscreen. You're just blistered and laying there, and all of a sudden, you see a life-giving island out into the distance. I want to tell you, if you have the Word of God in you, if you're spending time in it, then you will not end up shipwrecked on your way to life-giving places that God has put out there for us. It brings insight. It makes wise the simple. I want to tell you, the more time I spend in the Bible, the better decisions I make. And the better decisions I make, there's a lot less drama that's in my life. In fact, it's very, very seldom that just the happenings of the day really can wear me out anymore. I love, I love you guys. I, I love pastoring, I love all that. But I want to tell you, it's all the drama sometimes that gets associated with that that makes for a long day. Some of the drama I create because I didn't do a very, you know, the wisest thing that I, that I could. Insight. God's word says it brings insight. And insight is so, is so important because it allows us to read between the lines. It allows us to read behind the scenes of the things that God is doing. And when we can see that God has purpose in the situation that we're in, even when we're tired and exhausted, revival can come. We can feel revived in those, in those great moments. When I wrote this, I was thinking of Joseph. You guys remember who Joseph is, the, 
the, the kid of, uh, with a coat of many colors. And he, I want to tell you, he had plenty of haters. He had people that lied about him, people that tried to kill him, people that tried to enslave him and snuff him out. But I want to tell you, God over and over again came into Joseph's life and he revives him. He pulls him out of the pits. He pulls him out of the prisons every time so that Joseph could, again, bring life into his world. God revived him. I don't want to tell you that Joseph changed the courses of nations. And if we are going to change lives that change the world, we have to be a revived people. Revival is, is, a, is a lifestyle. Joseph said this. This is his perspective. This is where the great insight gave, gave him hope in what, what had, had happened in his life. Genesis Chapter 50, verse 20 says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God kept reviving Joseph so that he could revive others. He could bring life to others. He wants to do the same thing in your life. Let's look at Psalm 19, verses uh, 9 through 11. Reverence for the Lord is, is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who... Obey him. And gold and honey, I'm going to tell you, though, that was the stuff back in the day, right, when this thing was written. They were the purest things. They were so uh, utterly desirable. And when you thought, he's saying here, when you th- he, he just mentioned gold. And when, and when we just mentioned gold, you thought of some things, right? You thought, maybe you thought about gold bullion, right, bars. Maybe you thought you would get some big old heavy uh, hip-hop chain, right? Solid gold, 24. Big old medallion. Maybe you thought when you heard the word gold, you thought about a wedding ring. But whatever you thought of, whatever you could desire in in life that you think would bring you fulfillment, it all pales compared to God's word. Right, the finest gold, the purest gold. Like even when you go from 12, 14, 16, what, 18, 20, 24 carat, right? Even that, even that gold compares in comparison to the word of God for the value that it has in our lives. When you thought of honey, what did you think of? Tea, okay, that's good, it's a start, it's good. What about honey nut Cheerios? Any fans, what about honeycomb? Who likes honeycomb cereal? There you go. Oh, it is so good. I tell you, my grandma, she had a, a beehive, and she would take uh, some fresh-made butter, and she would take some honey and put it all together and make honey butter. And we would just kill each other, me and my brothers, like for that first piece of toast with honey butter on it. It was good. Uh, but sometimes she would let us take it right off of the comb, the purest, cleanest, freshest, best-tasting, healthiest honey that you could get right from there. But as good and as healthy and as rewarding as all of that is, that even all the honey stuff, a uh, bit of honey, right? 
We could go for a while on this, honey, but, but we won't. So whatever you can come up with, as, as glorious as honey can be, it still falls short of the glory of God's word and its ability. Honey can revive us, but I tell you, nothing revives us like God's word. I wanna, when I looked at the, what's gold and honey? Well, I thought for me in scripture, it really is the promises of God. That seems to be the place where I get revived the most when I come upon a promise of God and I personalize it for myself. Now, there's a lot of, of promises in there, and I want to tell you that these are just like this gold and this honey. It's just like treasury, treasure that can be mined from the Word of God. I took the promises. It's so full of promises, the Bible, that you can't count them if you tried. I looked up it on, on the Internet. There's some people say there's 3,000 promises of God. There was somebody that said there was 7,000 promises of God. And I want to tell you, that there was a guy, uh, Herbert Lockyer, he has a book called All the Promises of the Bible, and he claims that there are 8,000 promises from the Word of God. And this is why it's so uh, reviving to us that it's so true and so pure and so powerful. Psalm 119.50 says, Your promise revives me. And if we're lacking vivaciousness, Maybe it is in, in a resurgence. Maybe it's because we have forgotten about the promises or somebody somewhere talked us out of, of holding on to those promises and staying in faith for them even when our circumstances said that it weren't going to come through. Even though they had, the coming of them, the fulfillment of the promises had been delayed, the enemy wants us to think that they've been denied. But everything happens in God's timing. Everything happens in God's timing. When the psalmist writes in 1912, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? And the answer is you can't. That's why we need the word of God. You see, we all have a heart that we know, and we all have parts of our heart uh, that we don't know or we're not paying close attention to, or maybe we're totally blind to them. But this is where the word of God is, is just a treasure that helps us mine these things up so that we can, that we can deal with them. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desire, and I got to thinking about, well, maybe that's one of the reasons sometimes I don't read the Bible as much as I should. You ever thought like, oh, I wonder if it's going to tell me, I wonder if the Bible's going to speak to that thing that I know I kind of have, that I'm dealing with, this resentment that I have in my heart, and it's going to show me that I need to confess it. And really, confessment just means to agree with it. Like I read it in the Bible. God said it, it's true, so therefore I'm going to say yes, that this is right and this is wrong. I'm not going to go by my own set of, of, of values and morals. I'm going to go straight out of God's, God's word, and I want to agree, I want to agree with it. So we're going to spend some time right now, and I want to focus on what I was calling the, the gold and, and the honey of Scripture. Andrew, if you could come up. 
I want us, uh, we, can, we can talk about the very, all the benefits of, of God's word, and particularly in terms of, of personal revival. But we just want to declare some of those things over you guys this morning, if that's okay. And what I'd like for you to do is as I read these, <clears throat> uh, you'll know it's you because you'll, you'll feel something that revives you as, as these things are read out, as, as Scripture is declared over the assembly this morning. And when that revival comes, there's going to be streams in the desert this morning. There's going to be walls, walls coming down. But let's just read some of these promises. Exodus 14, 14. And it says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. The Lord is personally going to be involved in your battle. I don't care whatever the odds were of you winning the battle. If God is personally involved, I want to tell you that the odds just changed. In, invite him in. So for some, this might be your point of revival. I'm wore out fighting this thing. God will fight it himself personally will fight your battle. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. I like that thought. Personally, he will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And some of you need to hear that. You feel like God's abandoned you. God has never, he will not fail you. He will never abandon you. I can feel some revival coming, some hope being stirred up in the place just because we're taking, we're taking truth, we're taking the, the pure word of, of God and just declaring it in our assembly this morning. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. So this is for all the people that don't feel very powerful today. They don't feel like they can fight any longer. I want to tell you that, that God himself will come and he will give you uh, strength. And I want to just declare this too for the for the one who thinks that they're just always weak and always going to be weak I want to tell you that that's a lie that's not what scripture that's not what scripture says he gives power to the weak he doesn't give power to the strong John 8:36 so that if the son sets you free you are truly free there's somebody here that maybe thought that was getting suffocated trying to be good enough to get God's attention or to get his approval. I tell you, that re revised me. I, sometimes I forget about how free I truly am in Christ. Philippians 4.19 and this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. 
there's somewhere where lack is, is, is just pressed down and, and taking some life out of you, I want to tell you that God will supply all of your needs out of his glorious riches which have been given to you in Christ Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus, this would be a, t- a tough promise to claim. But if you know Jesus, in him, this has been given. In 1 John 1, nine. But if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unforgiveness, all wickedness. And don't, like, we want... <laughs> We need confession, not to be saved. And this isn't a message about getting resaved. It's a message about getting revived. And we need to know. I want every person here that calls New Song family to understand the confidence that we can have that we are not under the wrath of God in Christ Jesus. That we are not objects of wrath anymore. And it's in times of confession. We don't have to wonder if we're going to be forgiven or how God is going to react. I love this promise. Because it takes what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago and it brings it right into my situation right today, right now. The very things that we've been thinking about as we've been looking at these promises. And maybe you have more.